This podcast is supported by Area 9 Lyceum. Cut training time in half, create higher proficiency, leave no learner behind and improve business outcomes with Area 9's AI-driven adaptive learning technology. The platform Area 9 Rapsode is grounded in scientific research, serving more than 30 million learners across hundreds of subject areas, gathering billions of data points. Whether your focus is K-12, post-secondary, vocational training, graduate school professional development or lifelong learning, experience adaptive learning for yourself at area9lyceum.com slash learning hack. That's area9lyceum.com slash learning hack. Either you be stressed every day, stressed and nervous, and uh, or you find a way to manage all this as I said, diving deeper into your work or going into sport or going to volunteer and help in your country, which most of the Ukrainians do right now. So you just find uh, places and uh, ways to get more energy for you and for your team. Welcome to Hacking Ukraine, a learning hack special. Over three episodes, we tell the story of what happened when John Helmer hitched a ride with Andy Wooler, chair of Ukraine Fundraiser 2022, to help deliver humanitarian aid to recently bombed Lviv. Episode two, being there. The first thing you notice are the domes. After a mere two hours getting through the border into Ukraine, which Andy tells me could be a record for these runs, we're now on our way to Lviv, 87 kilometers away. I don't know what I expected a war zone to look like, and it certainly wasn't this. A two-lane road through woods and farmland, dotted with little towns and villages. It could be in rural France, except for the gold and silver domes on practically all the churches, glittering gaudily in the bright sunlight. That and the frequent roadside shrines to the Virgin Mary tell you this is a religious country. 85% of Ukrainians identify as Christian, a tendency more marked here in the West than in the East of Ukraine. My job on this stretch of the journey is to watch out for potholes. Andy has instructed me to shout out hold whenever I spot one. Some of these potholes are deep enough to do significant damage to the van, and this has happened on previous runs. However, seems that most of the potholes have been filled in since his last visit, so mostly I just get to admire the view. And it's a pleasant view. We drive past recently harvested fields of wheat, forests and stalks nesting on the top of telegraph poles, a memorial to the fallen from a previous conflict of 1918, but then a billboard carrying images of soldiery and motivational slogans about the present crisis. Defend independence drags you back to reality. You are in the zone. There's an odd sort of cognitive dissonance at work here. Objectively, we're quite safe. Hundreds of miles from the front, and Ukraine is a big country, the second largest in Europe after Russia. People tend not to realise that. However, just 10 days after our return to England, the Lviv region will be hit by Russian missiles as part of a large-scale air attack. Some of those missiles, Andy will tell me, falling very close to the road we are on. 
This precise moment, though, sitting in the van on the way to Lviv, passing a field of sunflowers, the threat of imminent extinction or injury seems remote. Nevertheless, you can't forget the fact of where you are. I'm reminded of a film by the art house director, Andrei Tarkovsky, called Stalker, in which the characters travel into the zone, an abandoned landscape of unseen and not quite explicable dangers. There's not much visual similarity with here, but nevertheless, some of the eerie atmosphere of that film seeps into my mood. A zone of a very different type, the zone of proximal development is associated with our first occupant of Theorist Corner this time. Come on down, Lev Vygotsky. Lev Vygotsky, 1896-1934, was a psychologist born in Belarus, which neighbours Ukraine to the north. His theories about learning and development emphasise the role of culture and social interaction in shaping human cognition. Vygotsky argued that learning is a social process and that children develop cognitive skills through their interactions with others. One of his major ideas was the zone of proximal development, a term which is guaranteed to make you sound brainy if you drop it into conversation. However, Donald Clark, John's co-host on Great Minds on Learning, thinks the zone of proximal development as a theory isn't really all that. The zone of proximal development is this. So you, you start at baselines. If you've got a baseline here, there's a difference between what I as a learner know now and what I'm capable of knowing through this mediation process. Okay, and that's a sort of zone. And you've got to keep learners in that zone, within their capability, as it were, and not to push them too far or else, because that results in sort of cognitive dissonance or demotivation or whatever. So you're just constantly keeping people. Now, my mother could have told me that. You know, I don't think there's anything yeah. startlingly original in this idea. The concepts are blatantly obvious as an observation. Just really sort of like, wow, big deal. Yeah, of course that's true. You know, if uh, if I were if I were uh, teaching somebody how to play chess, I wouldn't leap into some sophisticated uh, chess game, uh, sophisticated opening. I would teach them the basic moves first. You know, obviously you're going to keep them within a sort of zone of achievability. But I think that's an almost banal in a way. Whether it's a banal theory or not, I feel that I'm in some sort of zone of proximal development myself when we arrive at the military hospital and start unloading the humanitarian aid we've brought with the help of Natalia Aristova and her very friendly team. I realise that there's a lot I will never learn about Ukraine, but one thing I'm learning straight away is that you can't expect here, as you can in many other parts of Europe, that people will speak English. Natalia's team don't, but we find a common language in German, which Andy speaks pretty well. It also helps that one of the team, Catherine, is German and also does speak some English, enough for me to enlist her in the calling out potholes game, which she joins in with enthusiastically as we make our way in the van to the post office, Nova Poshta. Here, the rest of the aid we have brought from England will be dispatched to various other cities in Ukraine. At the hospital, we saw a number of people with obvious injuries who will benefit from the aid we have brought. But for understandable reasons, I've been warned off taking pictures of any soldiers or of whipping out my sound recorder to do interviews, for that matter. The last thing you want to look like in a situation like this is a journalist or someone after racy footage of their TikTok. It's all about the aid. 
There's just one image we can show, however, on our YouTube edit of a wounded combatant who suffered severe spinal injuries and whose life will be made easier by one of the electric scooters we've brought. Since Ukraine fundraiser 2022 formed at the start of the Russian invasion, the organisation has made more than 18 runs to Kyiv, the Donetsk region, Zaporizhia, Lviv, Dnipro and other destinations, targeting aid to those who need it most. Times may be difficult at home, but in Ukraine there are people whose lives have been totally destroyed. This effort relies on your donations, so please give what you can, no matter how small, on the Just Giving page at this link. Every penny you give will go to helping sufferers from this cruel conflict rebuild their lives. The link for your donations is justgiving.com slash crowdfunding slash Ukraine Fundraiser 2022. That's justgiving.com slash crowdfunding slash Ukraine Fundraiser 2022. Some 800 kilometres south and east of Lviv is Odessa on the Black Sea coast, much closer to the front line. I was lucky enough to get to talk to a LearnTech CEO who's based there and has been throughout the conflict. I wanted to know what it's like to run a learning company from inside the zone. Kate Fitzgerald, Head of Fact, who is he? Fact Facts. Vladimir Polo is founder and CEO of AcademyOcean.com, a startup based in Odessa, Ukraine. He is also a SaaS evangelist and IT entrepreneur, as well as a contributor to TechCrunch. He has a master's degree in business administration from Odessa I.I. Mechnikov National University. So, Vladimir Polo, it's great to have you on the podcast. Welcome to The Learning Hack. My pleasure. Thank you. First of all, can you tell us where you are right now and what your situation is like there? Uh, I'm based in Ukraine, in Odessa. It's uh, on the sea, uh, near the Black Sea. Uh, so it's the southern part of Ukraine, and I was here from the beginning of the war. Uh, my team is 30 people, and we are across seven countries. So most of all, or maybe all of us, are from Ukraine initially, but now we are in seven countries after the war began. Is it okay to say that you're in Odessa? Because uh, it, it depends, you know. Uh, right now it's uh, quiet and comfortable in Odessa. Two weeks ago it was super unsafe and super loud in Odessa. So it just depends. You, you cannot plan for a longer period of time. You can, you can just plan for a few weeks. And not planning of uh, the dangerous things, you don't know what will happen. But planning of the whole life, you just uh, the scale of planning is different when you live in Ukraine right now. Yeah, it, it's hard to, for us to in the UK to imagine what it's like living under that constant threat. And of course, we have heard of, uh, we we hear about the various bombings, and we we hear the place names, um, and we get to know those. And uh, when I was setting up the interview, I thought, well, surely you can't still be in Odessa with all that bombing going on, but you are. <laughs> um, you know, for Odessa, it's very. Uh... It's a combination that some people cannot just, uh, it's hard to get in the mind because at the same time, it's it, there is a war in our country. But for example, I don't know, restaurants or beaches still work because people live their lives. And it's it could be during the same day, like uh, bombs and restaurants at the same day. 
So it's very difficult to understand from outside. But uh, and during the first few months, it was like, okay, how can we manage all this? But after a year or a year and a half, some somehow it uh, like it, our brains and our minds they, they managed to do this. And sometimes uh, when I work, um, when I'm on Zoom calls, like uh, right now or any other calls. Uh, I even forget that I'm uh, in a country which is, has a war right now because it's a way we can uh, discuss things, we can build things, we can create things all over the world with people all, all over the world. And um, for, for me personally, it's uh, it's not about escape from Ukraine, uh, I mean, during the course. It's about to, to feel that the war will end, but the things we can create and build, they will still live if we create them in a good way, if we create them with good people. Uh, so that is important. So actually, sometimes when I uh, have a conversation, I even forget to tell that I'm from Ukraine, uh, just because it it will ruin the, I don't know, the, not the scenario, but the plan of the call. And it, it will make people feel uncomfortable because they will try to find the correct words to say to support uh, and for me, it's like we're building a company that helps uh, businesses in other countries, and we don't want to be, uh, I don't know, yeah, for, for sure, we need support. We need a lot of support. Uh, it's very important. But um, we want to be better just because our product is better, just because our team is better, not just because we're from Ukraine. And for me, it's very important. So you're founder and CEO of Academy Ocean. Uh, I've worked in learn tech businesses for more than 20 years now, so I think I know how they run. Mm -hmm. Can't imagine what it must be like to lead a business like yours under war conditions. What, what's it like for you currently day to day running that business? That's a good question, actually. And as I said, during the first few months, it was very difficult because our families were not with us. Uh, many employees were trying to get to safer places and there are many difficult situation in situations even in the cities which uh, were not bombed every day most of the cities were bombed uh one or another day but uh, after this time you can just you have two decisions uh, one of the decisions uh, to make either you be stressed every day stressed and nervous and uh, or you find a way to manage all this as I said, diving deeper into your work or going into sport or going to volunteer and help in your country, which most of the Ukrainians do right now. So you just find uh, places and uh, ways to get more energy for you and for your team. So is, is the team fairly dispersed now? I mean, perhaps in a way, um, the pandemic was a dry run for dispersed team but I, yeah, I think they're, they're, they're kind of spread around a bit absolutely yeah. because of the pandemic uh, like initially uh the city where i found the academy ocean is odessa where i live right now and the whole team was from odessa when we were like 10 or 12 people everyone were in odessa we would go into the office seeing uh, each other every day then we started to hire more people from kiev from lviv from other cities because we uh, We've grown, we needed more people, we wanted the better people people to come to us. And after the war started, uh, um, now we have uh, seven or even eight countries uh, spread, like the team is spread uh, into eight countries. But it's um, 
like with Zoom, with other tools we use, it's uh, quite comfortable. And I'm happy that we are a tech uh, company, not a physical business where it's much harder to be alive. I mean, as a business, um, when your team is in different countries, so we can manage it and it's great for us, especially after pandemic. Yeah, you couldn't run a pizza restaurant in with dark. <laughs> exactly. Can you tell us a bit uh, about how you came to create Academy Ocean uh, and a bit about your background before that? Because I'm aware that this is not your only entrepreneurial venture. Yeah, you're right, absolutely. And uh, I'm uh, have initially I have a marketing and management background, uh, and the last twelve years I work uh, in a tech industry. So I started from an agency, a marketing and tech agency. Then one day I started one startup. It was a SaaS build, a SaaS business as well. And in that startup, it was my first uh, try, my first attempt to build something uh, cloud-based. Uh, that startup wasn't successful. I closed it after a year and a half. But during this period, I found an idea that uh, that grown and uh, uh, helped to find the idea of Academy Ocean. So. I needed to train my customers in that startup and I needed to train my team in that startup. And I've looked and searched, uh, it was uh, 2016, I've searched on the market and haven't found any solutions that I personally love because uh, uh, I'm not a designer, but I'm uh, I'm trying to dig deeper into UI and UX and all this stuff, the product stuff. So I just, uh, we, we sat with uh, my colleagues, uh, Serge, and we've just, uh, created a prototype and we created one academy for our employees and one, our customers. And it appeared that this academy became more, uh, uh, I don't know, more popular than the main product. And our partners started to ask, how have you made this academy? We want the same one. And I told them that, you know, it's just our handmade academy. We just wanted to do but after a few months, I, I, I had an idea. So maybe there is a demand on this kind of things. And maybe we can do something with that. But uh, I was not, um, like, I, w- I didn't want to build something, like, only based on ideas. So I just uh, I created this name, Academy Ocean. We created a small uh, website. And I reached uh, U.S., mostly U.S.-based companies as it was already built product. So I imagined that the product already exists, and I just uh, asked them if they have the same problem with training of their customers and employees. And I reached only tech companies. So I, the idea was it's like tech company for tech companies only. And when I got uh, like 15 or 20 positive replies, meaning like they wanted to have a call and to see what, we, what we've built, it's like from, I don't know, I've, uh, it was called outreach fully, uh, manually. I'm just uh, searching for companies who I thought might be interested. I've sent maybe like 300 emails and got 20 uh, positive replies, which I didn't know at the time, but (laughs) it's quite a good result, but I didn't know at this moment. And I've just told them, okay, we we haven't built yet, but we are building right now. And if you will tell me your pain, we'll build it faster and better for your company. And that's how it all started in 2017. Uh, now we are not a company for tech companies only. That uh, was one of the ideas we've experimented with, uh, but it was uh, the beginning of Academy Ocean. That's a fascinating story. There, there's a horrible, um, horrible phrase that people use: "Eating your own dog food." 
uh, when it comes to people who use a particular product, making sure that it's used within the company. You know, it sounds like it's the other way around. You know, we were feeding the dogs. Um, people <laughs> like the dog food. So, okay, let's sell dog food. So to, to be clear about it, what products and services does um, Academy Ocean offer the market? You're obviously very market-led. What are the products and services you offer and what's the distinctive value that they provide? Mm -hmm. So what, how we position it right now, because it was evolving during the time, and as I said, it was like tech company, SaaS for SaaS business only. But for now, it's a cloud-based platform where any business can come and create their own academy. So it's a learning management system, uh, very uh, easy to use. We focus on ease of use, like on G2 Cloud, for example, we have the highest rate on, of ease of use. That's what we, uh, the idea is. So you don't need any tech skills to launch your academy. And we help companies to train or onboard their employees. So if you have new employees, they need to be trained. If you have current employees, they need to be trained or certified or trained every year or every period of time. And we help to make it uh, without developers, without designers on your side. You can just like how you create a presentation or Google document, you just the same way you create your academy, put it on your subdomain and launch it and they can join it they can use lessons quizzes certificates and so on in a way i hate to drag you back to the um to to the horrors of the the, the wider context <laughs> here but i know the invasion didn't come completely out of the blue russia had made incursions into ukrainian territory over a number of years but takes back to february 2022 what was it like at that time, the first kind of shock of the invasion, uh, and how did you react as a company immediately? Um, that's a good point. That's a good, good question because it was a very hard time, uh, especially because most of the people just, they just didn't know what to do. It's absolutely, unfortunately, new experience for all of us. And we, as a company, we helped uh, those employees who are close who were closer to the border with Russia to escape from these regions uh, and we helped them uh, like we hired a psychologist uh, it was later like in a few months later just to help them for sure there were a lot of initiatives on volunteering on all these uh, things that uh, like most of the companies do in ukraine right now and it was continuing and it was evolving during the the first half of a year or a year because for example i after that, uh, the um, the bombs uh, hit the um, power plants and all the energy, like it was fully uh, blackouts, especially during the second winter, like not the February, but the second one. And there were also a lot of initiatives when we just uh, help employees to buy these uh, portable power stations like Ecoflow and other brands. I'm a fan of Ecoflow, which is like a gadget that helps you to run any device like fridge or microwave, even without electricity. The same with Starlinks, the same with other internet uh, uh, like pro providers and uh, the gadgets that helps you to get internet when there is no light and no electricity. I was surprised that I can get internet when there is no electricity in my region at all. Uh, so we needed to get new knowledge uh, about all these things. Uh, but now, for example, we do understand that next winter is coming and it might be better than the previous one, may, might be harder. 
for uh, citizens of Ukraine. Uh, but we, like, I see how the prices on these uh, power stations started to go up right now in summer, just because people think, okay, in a few months, we might have this problem. So let's uh, manage with this problem during the summer. How do you assess the situation right now um, for you uh, in Ukraine? And how do you see your future? That's a good question as well. Uh, regarding the situation in Ukraine, as I said, it's hard to plan things right now just because you don't know what will be in three months or six months. That's why you, you I do have plans for uh, my company, which are usually like strategic for one year, for three years, and for five years. But uh, you understand that uh, it might be more changeable than you expect. I mean, it could be changed uh, uh, the way you cannot predict, unfortunately. And that's the world we live in right now. Uh, I mean, during the pandemic as well, but during the war in Ukraine. And in my opinion, like uh, as I said, you could choose to be more nervous or you could choose to be more uh, like, okay, we cannot plan anything. Let's just do something. So, But at the same time, you can choose to be like, okay, I will be more prepared. Okay, well, I will train uh, myself and my team to do this and this. And I think we could, can become much stronger. And we already <laughs> became uh, just because the station uh, made us to become <laughs> stronger. Because if we will not, we will not be able to build something new. I mean, from the business point of view. Uh, and from the citizenship, from the national point of view, it's also if we will not be strong. Uh, it could lead to very bad uh, things. Yeah, there must be a trade-off there because on the one hand, you need to be very flexible and responsive um, and in that position of alertness and almost hyper-vigilance all the time. On the other hand, that can be inimical to good decision-making because you, you you need to have a sense of where you're going in the longer term. What you're talking, actually, I was reminded of, going back like five, six years or something, going to conferences and people giving presentations about the VUCA world, you know, volatile, uncertain, complex, ambiguous, and all this. And this is the world we were living in now. And think of what's happened since then, you know, the pandemic and then, you know, uh, what, what what's happened in U Ukraine and what's that what that's done to geopolitics of, of the region and everyone's expectations as you think that was the VUCA world. What's this? <laughs> you know, uh, in my opinion, like uh, we didn't know what will happen with our planet, like in a year or two or five years. Uh, it might be, I don't know, aliens invasion. It might be something else. But if we are uh, already uh, like, okay, we have another problem right now. Let's <laughs> let's deal with it. We have some skills. We have some capacity of our, I know, emotional. Uh, uh, strengths i don't know something and it's not about it's not only about ukraine because it's about the whole world if you are strong enough you will manage it and for me personally uh what helps me and i hope my team because i share with them and they tell that yeah <laughs> they are happy with this idea as well uh when i think about like in 10 or 15 years in the future so one of my ideas about academy ocean is that um some year like 10 15 20 years there will be colonies on other planets and there will, will be people uh, on these planets building something new. I mean, small colonies, not, not like huge planet uh, settled with people. And the price of an hour 
of this um, astronaut will be super high or uh, colonist will go super high. And these people will need to be trained as well. And I want them to be trained on my uh, technology um, with Academy Ocean. So I want to build such a technology that will be popular enough on the earth, but it will be the one that will be chosen to train the people with the highest hour rate, maybe like average hour rate in the whole universe. So that's the idea. When you think about this way, okay. Yeah, okay, we have this problem and this problem, but in 20 years, uh, there will be something different, absolutely different, and we need to be prepared for this. Well, well, I can see that, um, you know, although perhaps in the crisis, uh, long-term planning kind of goes out the, out of the window, in your case, you're planning for training on the moon. And on Mars. Yeah, exactly, or even um, even another planet, because I'm sure it will if it will be a big colony on the moon, yeah, but maybe Mars. So it's an idea that helps me understand that okay, uh, there is a huge universe, and we could be a small part of it because there will be companies that will provide produce food for this colony. There will be companies who will produce uh, clothing for these colonists, and there will be companies, tech companies, that will produce software for them. And I want to be one of these companies. I'm Academy Ocean to be one of these companies to produce training software to the first people on the uh, other planets. Right. It, it's inspiring to know that the you know the company still has a vision, you know, despite everything that you're going through. Um, and I'm inspired as well by the fact that you 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 want to live, um, you know. And and this has been a, a kind of theme of the the. The, the resilience of the Ukrainian people that um, the the company that I've been I did the run with to Ukraine recently they said when they've been on previous trips they'll do the unloading of the humanitarian aid they brought over and the Ukrainians will say okay let's go and have a picnic and you think a picnic in a, in a war zone I think it's the only way how you can manage it during if it's not a short period of time but medium or long time so if we will not live why is it all war I think we'll have to, to leave it there. Thank you so much for taking the time today and the best of luck with um, everything that you have coming up. And um, I, I hope I live long enough to see Academy Ocean beaming out training, remote training to the moon <laughs> and to Mars and to everywhere else. Thank you, John. Well, my pleasure. Great conversation. Thank you. With our humanitarian aid delivered, the Prime Directive is fulfilled. And Andy and I can allow ourselves the luxury of a brief look around the old town of Lviv, which is a UNESCO World Heritage Site. Lviv is a beautiful city. In the Soviet era, filmmakers used it as a stand-in for Venice or Rome, as well as cobblestone streets and an architectural assortment of Renaissance, Baroque, Neoclassical and Art Nouveau buildings. It also has a lively street culture. Sipping a white wine in a cafe, you could be in almost any historic European city, and it's easy to feel far from the war here. But then you notice the cafe has a generator. Power outages are frequent here since the Russian invasion. Many statues in the old town have been wrapped against possible bomb damage. In Rhinox Square, there are posters commemorating men killed in the struggle. If you're a teenage boy, a street photographer will hand you a gun and take your photograph for you as your girlfriend looks on admiringly, or perhaps ruefully. But despite these signs of war, the curfew is from 10 to 5 a.m. In many ways, life goes on as normal, and that's how the Ukrainians want it. The British journalist James Meek knows Ukraine well, 
and in an article for the London Review of Books about a recent visit to Kiev, he wrote, Everyone wants to survive, but even in wartime, especially in wartime, the urge is to go beyond mere existence to the point where you feel you have a life. The people of Ukraine see you don't just want to survive, they want to live. So it's time for Andy and I to head home now. But before we say goodbye, just time to recall a son of the Lviv Oblast, born 50 kilometres from the city in a village called Dobrianichi. Yes, it's time for Theorist Corner. Wilhelm Reich, 1897-1957, was an Austrian doctor of medicine and a psychoanalyst, a member of the second generation of analysts after Sigmund Freud. The author of several influential books, including The Mass Psychology of Fascism, he became one of the most radical figures in the history of psychiatry. It's unlikely we'll feature Reich at any length in some future episode of Great Minds because he didn't write specifically about learning. Though we're definitely coming for Freud and the psychoanalysts, but I wanted to at least mention him because he was such a culturally significant figure. His ideas about sexuality and orgone energy were controversial. Some of his clinical practices were extremely dubious, particularly the ones involving children, and his own mental health was, it seems, precarious. But he helped shape Gestalt therapy, and after his death, he became a big influence on intellectuals of the 60s like Foucault in Paris, Mailer and Burroughs in the US, and the British educationalist A.S. Neal of Summerhill fame, who we probably will cover. Oh, and the book his son Peter wrote, A Book of Dreams, was the inspiration for Kate Bush's song Cloud Busting. Reich really thought he could make it rain with the strange Heath Robinson contraption he invented, run on orgone energy, which according to Peter actually worked. Reich was persecuted by the US authorities for his wacky ideas, having emigrated to New York on the outbreak of the Second World War and ended his days in a US federal penitentiary. Quite a journey from Lviv Oblast via Vienna, Berlin, Sweden, Denmark and Norway. And this is where we too turn our faces to the west and make our way home again. Now where did we park that van? You've been listening to Hacking Ukraine, a multi-episode special from The Learning Hack. The series is written and produced by John Helmer with help from me, Kate Fitzgerald. All original music is by John Helmer. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Area 9 Lyceum, Andy Wooler and All at Ukraine Fundraiser 2022, as well as Arkfield Concert Brass. Next time in Hack on Ukraine, we hit the road for our return journey and hear the sad story of a refugee war widow from Luhansk who is making a life as an e-learning specialist in Germany. Don't miss it. Since Ukraine Fundraiser 2022 formed at the start of the Russian invasion, the organisation has made more than 18 runs to Kyiv, the Donetsk region, Zaporizhia, Lviv, Dnipro and other destinations, targeting aid to those who need it most. Times may be difficult at home, but in Ukraine there are people whose lives have been totally destroyed. This effort relies on your donations, so please give what you can, no matter how small, on the Just Giving page at this link. Every penny you give will go to helping sufferers from this cruel conflict rebuild their lives. 
The link for your donations is justgiving.com slash crowdfunding slash Ukraine Fundraiser 2022. That's justgiving.com slash crowdfunding slash Ukraine Fundraiser 2022.